It's Tuesday, February 21st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, direct from Goodyear, Arizona. Paul's checking in with the latest on the Guardians in spring training. Paul, good to hear from you. All right, Joe. How you doing, man? Uh, you know what? The the weather's been about the same as it is out there for you guys. I, I hear it's uh, it's uh, you know in the fifties and 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 whatnot out there. Uh, it, it's been about the same here back in Cleveland. So we've been able to get outside and uh, and do a little running around. Yeah, it was really nice yesterday, but I guess it's supposed to get colder colder this you know the rest of the week here. So uh, you know, I'm, but that cold between in Arizona cold and Cleveland cold are two different things. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, today we're looking forward to uh, Terry Francona's sort of opening up uh, camp with the the opening day speech. Uh, we always make a big deal about this, but uh, really it it is sort of that tone setter. It's the it, it's the marching orders for for everyone in the organization, top to bottom, and how they're going to approach the season and and how they're going to try to win a World Series. Yeah, I mean, and everybody in the organization looks forward to it. Uh, Tito sweats it out. He said he was, uh, he told us yesterday, he told the reporters at the press conference that he was up at uh, 3.30 in the mor- uh, Sunday, Monday morning, you know, making his final, I guess, final edits on it. Uh, and uh, Antonetti was saying, uh, you know, he works on this, you know, all, the all, you know, all off season. And you're right, it does set the uh, tone. It kind of changes from year to year, uh, you know, based on the kind of team they have. But the one message, you know, that is constant is that, um, you know, you don't the, the the approach they take to the game never changes. Yeah, they don't they don't cut corners. They don't they, they play the game the right way. And if you do that and you play for your teammates, uh, you know, good things happen. And that's that's been sort of that consistent thread through the the years of all of uh, Terry Francona's teams here in Cleveland uh that message never changes and it it uh it, it's done well for them in in years past so looking forward to you know some of these guys uh are hearing this message for the first time are in big league camp for the first time and and so uh you know the young guys the the Brian Rocchios the George Valeras who are sitting there uh taking this in It'll be the first time they hear it. Uh, Jose Ramirez has heard this this uh, speech, uh, you know, a bunch of times, but uh, it still needs to be done. So uh, the the opening day, uh, it's 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 showtime for Terry Francona and the coaches, uh, you know, in a few hours here. Yeah, they call, you know, they everybody in the organization is in there too. Uh, you know, the front office. Uh, you know, the training staff, uh, the strength and conditioning guys, the clubhouse guys, the whole thing. You know, everyone is in there. So it's not just the players. Right. Uh, we found out yesterday uh, that one of the players uh, that we were sort of looking forward to seeing and, and hearing from this year, uh, top prospect Daniel Espino, uh, going to be shut down for a few weeks uh, with uh, strains and sprains and and, uh, and a soreness in that that right throwing shoulder. Uh, what do you know about Espino's injury? Yeah, Joey, you know, he, you know, this is a guy that only made four starts last year because of, of a sore knee and a, a sore right shoulder. Uh, and it, it seemed like he tried to, uh, you know, get going again in January, started throwing again. Soreness developed, so he's got a, a strain in the uh, rotator cuff of his right shoulder. 
and a torn anterior capsule in the right shoulder as well. So, you know, they anticipate a missing at least eight weeks. Is this uh, something that's going to need any surgery or anything like that, or is this something that'll heal over time? Well, I, I think it doesn't sound like surgery is necessary right now. Uh, you know, they're going to take, uh, you know, they'll do some imaging and, and ultrasounds, you know, six weeks after the injury, you know, which is coming up right, right pretty soon. And I think probably if there's surgery needed, that will be uh, determined then. So we could find out uh, whether or not Daniel Espino loses the entire season here coming up. Uh, that's a, that's a, certainly a possibility. Uh, another guy that uh, we were sort of anticipating watching him climb through the uh, the farm system this year, uh, Chase DeLauder, their, their number one draft pick last season. Uh, he's going to be sidelined with another uh, injury to his foot. Yeah, he, you know, he, in his, uh, you know, his final year at James Madison, he broke his left foot uh, after I think he only had played 34 games. And uh, he did it again uh, running. Uh, in January, I guess he's tried to run in, in December, started ramping up his running, bro, you know, soreness developing the foot, you know, a, uh, you know, an MRI revealed the break. Uh, he had to have surgery to, re, uh, you know, they took out a screw in his left little toe, fifth toe, I guess, and, and uh, then replace it with a bone graft. So this guy's done for four to five months, Joe. And, you know, this is uh Kid that you know they really like left-handed hitter, six four, two thirty-five, you know, really you know, a pure hitter and really kind of, you know, this guy hasn't played a professional game yet, and you know, lots of uh, you know, prospect ranking uh, systems had him ranked like numbers. I think MLB Pipeline had him ranked seventh in in uh, the Cleveland organization. So it's it's too bad, um, and uh, but uh, hopefully you know. <laughs> They, they get this right this time, the surgery, and, you know, he, he gets back on the field as soon as he can. Yeah, we uh, we here in Cleveland have a long history of uh, uh, freaky, weird foot injuries to uh, to rookie prospects. If you go back to Zydrunas Ogauskas uh, and all the, uh, the the troubles he had with his feet and his toes and, and that kind of thing. But uh, the, the hope is there that Chase DeLauder can, can get things straightened out with uh, his, uh, his foot and, and get back on, on the right path. But, uh, this season looks like it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, spent rehabbing instead of, uh, playing games and, and showing why the, uh, the guardians drafted him, uh, in the, in the first round there. Uh, the, uh, as far as Cactus League games go, uh, Terry Francona revealed yesterday, uh, the plan for his starting pitching, uh, not that, uh, starters in Cactus League games really mean, uh, a whole lot. I mean, you can go back a couple of years. Jeffrey Rodriguez was starting games uh, in in the the opener for uh, the Cactus League. So, uh, you know, it, it tells you how much how important that is. But when uh, the World Baseball Classic is happening, uh, that sort of changes things. And uh, this year's opening uh, opening game starter for the Cactus League is going to be Cal Quantrill. Yeah, and uh, I guess uh, you know they they came up with this plan. This will keep Quantrill. You know, on he'll be able to pitch every five days going into the uh, WBC where he's, you know, participating for Team Canada and, uh, you know, keep him on a regular schedule and he won't he won't miss that much time. At least that's our, you know, what Francona was saying. And, you know, that'll be and, uh, you know, Quantro will be followed by uh, Zach Plesek on uh, on uh, Sunday. Um, 
Shane Bieber on Monday, and uh, Tristan McKenzie will pitch the first game of uh, of a split squad game against Kansas City on Tuesday. So uh, that right there, uh, that that leaves everybody but Aaron Savali. What's the what's the latest on Savali? Is is he there? Is he healthy? What's uh, uh, you know what's the update on him? Yes, Valley's healthy. He's throwing bullpens, um, and uh, I, I do not know when he's scheduled to start. But I would imagine he'd fall in there, fall into that uh, in that you know in that first week or so. He'll be able to pitch. But I haven't, I haven't, you know, haven't gotten an update on him yet. Yeah, and and really, with starting pitchers and the first couple of games of Cactus League, it really doesn't matter. I mean. Starting pitchers could come in and, you know, in the middle of the game or, or whenever. It's not unusual uh, to see something like that, to see uh, him piggyback because the innings are, are there. It's it's not like they're going, you know, three, four, five innings deep at a time. It might just be one, two or three innings uh, for a guy. Get him in there and get him out quick. Uh, but I, I think one of the things that came out yesterday, uh, Shane Bieber uh, mentioned that, you know, this season, he was able to start his throwing program pretty early in the offseason, uh, you know, right after the playoffs. He, he took a couple of weeks and then uh, got right back at it and, and started throwing, which is different than his approach from last season coming off uh, an injury plagued season. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2021, uh, you know, he, he prepped for 2022 a, a little differently than he has, you know, in, in prepping for 2023. Uh, he, he's gone through a more regular offseason throwing program that even included, uh, you know, throwing with the uh, the locals down on uh, when I, on his honeymoon on the beach. Yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, the lockout kind of screwed things up last year, you know, really made for an irregular, uh, you know, preparation for spring training. You know now uh, that you know that's that's over with. Now they've had a uh, a normal spring training, and, no, and and I think a lot of guys uh, you know were able to take you know maybe step things up or you know have a normal approach to spring training. And I think uh, you know uh, Bieber was kind of easing into things you know before last season. Now he you know he knows he's healthy and could uh, you know start start his conditioning program a little earlier. And it's not just conditioning. Uh, this this gives him the opportunity, gives Shane Bieber the opportunity to sort of get in the lab and and work on some of his pitches, uh, you know maybe develop his change up a little more or or, or add a wrinkle to his curveball or, or or something. Uh, these pitchers are constantly tinkering with their pitches, uh, and when they're healthy, you've got more time in the off season to be effective with that. I mean we've seen we saw for years Trevor Bauer you know come back every year with a new pitch. Uh, and Shane Bieber can only, you know, focus on and improve what he's got. Uh, and, and that's that's got to be kind of scary for the rest of the uh, the teams in the American League Central. Yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, this is a guy that really pitched 200 innings last season, um, you know, had really a bounce back year. And that was a year where, you know, they were really careful with him, you know, the way they used him, you know, the amount of, uh, you know, they would, you know, they they really watch his pitch count. And now maybe, he you know, he he's graduating, you know, he's kind of, you know, back to the the uh, old Shane Bieber. And if he can add some different, you know, if he can improve his pitches so much, the better. Yeah. And, you know, it, it also shows the younger pitchers on staff. It shows a guy like a, a Tristan McKenzie. Hey, this is. 
this is what you got to do if you want to become uh, the elite pitcher in 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 baseball. Really, if uh, in the off season you got to work on your your stuff and and come into camp all already raring to go. Uh, uh, you know, we we just we want to see them healthy at the end of the season. And I think the the Guardians know that they 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 won't overdo it with Shane Bieber. I think heading uh, into the early part of the season for sure. Uh, but it won't be a repeat of last year where they sort of had kid gloves on pretty much all of their starters for the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. And, uh, you know, they'll have a full full camp to get ready. What uh, spring training was, what, 20 days last season? You know, I think uh, it was really, you know, you know, it's really, I mean, they didn't start the season until April 7th. They're starting the season uh, March 30th this year. So they'll they'll have a lot more time to get ready. Yeah, and everybody should be fully loaded. At least everybody that makes the squad out of camp should be fully loaded. Uh, everybody else uh, should be coming along at some point. Uh, all right, uh, we uh, we mentioned yesterday uh, that they had been thinking about and talking to uh, Gabriel Arias about uh, maybe pl- uh, playing some time out in the outfield uh, during spring training games uh, to try and give him some versatility. Uh, make him available and more available uh, for Terry Francona off the bench uh, this season. Uh, we hear the same thing that they're going to do with with Tyler Freeman. Uh, Tyler Freeman, who uh, apparently has bulked up and uh, and shown up to camp with uh, some some added muscle this year. Yeah, he's added like I guess uh, t- you know he's added about ten pounds, fifteen pounds of muscle, and. Uh... You know, he's going to be, you know, another utility guy that, you know, basically a shortstop or second baseman, but he's going to, you know, get some time in the outfield. And I think, uh, you know, Francona is just trying to uh, create some at-bats for these guys and make them as versatile as possible and, uh, you know, kind of open up some avenues. If if they don't make the club coming out of spring training, well, you know, if there, if, a, if a need develops at a, at a different kind of position, they're, you know, they're ready to fill it. So, uh, you know, him and Arias are going to, it's going to be, uh, they're going to have a lot of gloves, I guess, in, in their lockers because they'll be bouncing around the infield and, and the outfield uh, this spring. Yeah, you talk about finding at-bats for these guys and and it being a problem and, and the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the idea of, well, you don't want them to sit. You want them to play every day and play. Really, unless there's, you know, some sort of injury or or, or a move or something, there aren't going to be those those at bats for these guys. Your infield is set. Your outfield is pretty much set. Uh, these guys have to to find uh, to be versatile and and try and find uh, at bats and games uh, in, in different ways now, uh, because neither one of them, Arias nor uh, Freeman, really should be at AAA this year. They they should both be on the roster. Uh, if not both uh, on opening day, then both at some point. And, it, you know, you, you've got to get them in, you've got to get them games, but there aren't a lot to be had out there because your starters are pretty much pretty much set. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good problem to have, but, you know, you've got to sell these guys on that because you don't want them going back to AAA. There's nothing more that they can learn at AAA. There's nothing more that Gabriel Arias can do at AAA. He needs to finish his development at the major league level. And, and that's there, there's, it's just a matter of finding him the opportunity. Uh, and, and he's more, I guess it's, he's more likely to get that opportunity if he's able to play a little outfield. Uh, the, the prime example of that is 
uh, what, 2016, Jose Ramirez. You know, they they put him in the outfield for a bunch of games. And it, it was uh, it wasn't until they sort of cast Juan Uribe aside that uh, that he got the opportunity to play every day at third. But, you know, if you're trying to sell Gabriel Arias on, hey, uh, you know, maybe go to the outfield and, and get a few innings in there. Uh, you, you tell him you could end up like Jose Ramirez and, and eventually finding your spot. Yeah, you know, Jose, what, was bouncing between left field and third base, and I think he's playing some second base, so he's bouncing bouncing all around that year, and uh, eventually, you know, he, he hit his way into a full-time spot. Now, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if Arias or, or Freeman are that kind of hitter, or, you know, can hit, hit to the degree where, you know, you force – they force uh, Cleveland to give them a spot, but they certainly can, uh, you know, win a job and, you know, help themselves to win a job on a big league roster by, you know, by being as versatile as possible. Yeah, that versatility is uh, is is important. Uh, you talked to uh, Chris Antonetti yesterday. Uh, Antonetti had uh, a little bit to say about, you know, heading into the season and uh, coming off of last season, what... Uh, what expectations are on the table now for this uh, this 2023 Guardians club? Yeah, Joe, it was interesting. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's like if you're a general manager or, you know, president of baseball operations, you've got to think like this. But I was asking them uh, how expectations have changed from last year to this year when really last year no one gave them a chance or they didn't look like they were much of a contender. And this year... They're going in as you know, as as a as a division champ, and and you know probably a favorite to uh, make the postseason. And he said, uh, you know, Antonetti said, our expectations never change. You know, our in, in, internal expectations are always high, and uh, we just don't listen to uh, kind of the white noise from outside. What what other people think of of us uh, as an organization, good or bad, we just kind of focus internally and try to be uh put together the best club that they can well that, is that what he's calling us now white noise i, I guess that's uh <laughs> I, I, I get it okay uh we refer to each other as white noise now uh, i guess uh, when we get in the press box but uh that's all right yeah no I, I i totally understand that and and that's great uh that's great gm speak that's great uh president of baseball operations sort of speak and spin and all that but uh, I mean, come on, what's going on in that room today when Tito walks in there? Uh, you know, I get that, oh, internal expectations are always very high. Well, you know what? This year, they actually have those expectations. When he's walking in there, you know, if you peel back the layers, he's he's in there talking and telling them, hey, you guys won it, won it last year. We're going to win it again this year, and here's how we're going to do it. Uh, that's got to be the message that he's sending, uh, you know, that, that they're not – telling everybody but uh yeah I, there's nothing wrong with having those expectations it's how do you manage when you come out of the gate and you lose you know four or five in a row and and things don't look so good early uh how does a young team you know believe in itself and regather itself and and sort of continue on if things go south at the beginning uh you don't want the season tanking in the first four months uh, in the first month yeah, you know, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think I think this, you know, the expectations have changed on this team. You know, I think, uh, you know, any player that that 
is it wouldn't say that is is probably fooling themselves or you know it, you know inside they know you know they they've they've gone from the hunter to the hunted and uh it's just going to be really interesting to see how they handle it uh, you know we've we've seen this happen to uh, Cleveland teams in the past you know sometimes they they rise to the occasion and sometimes you know it takes an adjustment period where you know they it, it takes a while for them to uh, adjust to uh, being kind of in the spotlight and uh you know it, you know so uh, I, i'm it's going that's i think that's one of the big points of this season just how how they handle it how they address it and i'm sure like you said joe tito is going to be talking about it today all right uh all right uh, before we wrap up here, uh, we got to mention uh, last night, uh, former Cleveland second baseman Jason Kipnis announcing, officially announcing his retirement from Major League Baseball. Uh, Kipnis spent nine seasons uh, with Cleveland uh, after being drafted by the club in the second round uh, in 2009, uh, made his debut in what, 2011. And uh, spent the uh, last season of his career playing in 2020 with the Cubs. Uh, he tried to hook on with the Atlanta the year after that, but uh, you know, basically rode the bus in their minor league system for a season, uh, waiting for a shot. Um, Kipnis was one of the cornerstones of the, the the teams that that won three straight AL Central championships and went to the World Series in 2016 and. You know, how can you forget how close he came to to basically putting Cleveland in front in game seven with with one swing of the bat uh, late in the game uh, and and against, I believe it was a role as Chapman at the time. Uh, I'll tell you, Jason Kipnis, his spot in this franchise's history is is pretty much secure. Uh, 123 home runs as a second baseman, the most ever uh, in Cleveland history by a second baseman. Uh, you covered basically his whole career here in Cleveland. You know, what do you, what, what were your feelings when you saw Jason Kipnis announced that, uh, it's the end of the line? You know, I was sorry, Joe, because I thought, you know, he still had some baseball left in him. I thought Kip wanted to keep playing and, uh, you know, the opportunity just wasn't there. He was one of those guys that got caught, you know, one of those veteran guys that could still play, you know, the, one of those in the 30, 31 year old class, when he left Cleveland and, uh, you know, I think the game, you know, kind of really has been cruel to those, that group of players where, you know, they, they get passed by the, the teams have turned to younger players and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's hard to watch. And, uh, I feel bad for Kipnis and, uh, you know, I think, uh, but he had a great career in Cleveland. Like you said, he almost put, he almost gave the world, he almost won the world series for, uh, for Cleveland, if that if that ball down the, the right field line hadn't hooked foul, you know, in in the ninth inning of uh, Game Seven of the World Series, but had a great career. He showed great, I thought, athleticism. You know, switching from uh, uh, he was a center fielder, an outfielder in college. He, he moved him to second base. You know, he made that. That's a tough transition to make, and he did it. He got to the big leagues, and and he hung around for a long time. And uh, you know, really clutch hitter power you know and he was a better defender than people gave him credit for and uh just uh, he was always uh he was always interesting to talk to he always <laughs> had a little he had a little edge to him so he was well, you're talking about you're talking about chippy kippy is that is that <laughs> a little edge to him yeah uh, he was he, always fun 
great personality that, you know, filled up the dugout with his personality. That spilled over onto the field. He was always fun to watch there. Uh, never never turned you down, uh, you know, if, if you needed to, to talk, he, he would always, you know, make time for you if you needed it. Uh, I, I tell you, he, he wrote in his letter about being frustrated about the way that his his career here in Cleveland ended because, you know, his last swing of the bat in Cleveland, he fractured his hamate bone and uh, that that was it. He was done. He didn't get to, you know, walk up to the plate and tip his cap one last time or, or you know, say goodbye to the fans because, when he came back here with the Cubs in 2020, there were no fans in the stands. Uh, but, you know, they, they celebrated him at that time. He, uh, he, he did enjoy playing in Cleveland, even though there were those, those sort of chippy-kippy times. But uh, uh, he, he loved playing here. He always did the, uh, the shoe toss. I covered that like three years in a row where he would, he would give away batting gloves and, and cleats and, you know, sign autographs, uh, somebody, everybody who came out and stuck around at least got a picture or an autograph with him uh, outside the gates at, at Progressive Field. Uh, you know, real good connection with the fans in that way. Uh, his walk-up music was always uh, pretty much on point. You knew you knew it was time for a Kipnis at bat. Uh, if you remember back to 2015, uh, the month of May in 2015, he oh put together... God. He put together one of the greatest hitting months of all time in the in franchise history. Uh, he there was there was nothing he could do at the plate that that was wrong. I mean, everything he was doing was was right, and uh, it, that earned him uh, you know earned him MVP votes that year, which was impressive. And you talked about his 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 glove and his defense being better than you thought. Uh, he actually won the the AL Wilson Defensive Player at. Uh, at second base in 2012. I mean, this was a guy who who was an above average second baseman uh, early on in his career. So uh, that, yeah, he he had uh, it was it was a pretty interesting ride for Jason Kipnis. He definitely has a place uh, in in franchise history, and uh, you know, and definitely in the in the hearts of a lot of Cleveland fans. Yeah, what did he do? Hit 900 that month? You had like 50 hits in a month? That was, uh, I've never seen a, a month like that. I just, I remember Lonnie Chisenhalt saying, uh, Kipnis used to do that all the time in the minors, but I have never seen a guy that hot for that long. He was, uh, that was fun to watch. Yeah, it was It was definitely special. And, uh, and, and, and they had to struggle to get him to the All-Star game that year to like, to, you know, it, it was a, a question that he, if he was going to be an All-Star. Uh, that, that to me was crazy, but uh, uh, Jason Kipnis, you know, uh, definitely one of the, the guys that stands out uh, from from that stretch of of championship baseball uh, in in Cleveland uh, over the last several years. Uh, all right, uh, that's going to do it for uh, today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. More from Goodyear, more from uh, the workouts. Paul, what's it like finally hearing the 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 crack of the bat and the you know, the, the baseball snapping in the gloves, uh, it, it, it's got to be just, just wonderful to hear that again. Yeah, that was really cool being out there. It was a nice day yesterday. The sun was out. Everybody was out and, you know, watching uh, Bieber throw BP, watching uh, uh, police act. The thing that jumped out at me, Joe, is that uh, on each of the infields, the practice fields, they have two 20-second uh, clocks, you know, pitch clocks. So mm -hmm. the uh, pitch clock era is here. And, uh, you know, the pitchers and the batters are getting used to it. And uh, just uh, a strange, uh, a strange sight. 
Yeah, we'll get into more with the uh, with the new rules uh, tomorrow as we we talk to as you talk to some of the players and and we get some more feedback in in that way. Uh, but we'll, uh, that'll be for another day here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Paul, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.